0: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. I'm Pastor Murphy. We here, the members and friends of the Great Little Zion Baptist Church, welcome you to our worship experience and pray that as you view this moment, your soul will be encouraged, your faith will be built, and you will leave this moment encouraged and empowered and ready to run on to see what God has in store for you. Be blessed as the music uplifts you And the word empowers you in Jesus' name. Welcome to our worship experience. Amen.
1: Greta Little Zion, friends, and guests, here are our weekly announcements. Make sure to join us on Wednesday at 6 p.m. for our prayer meeting and our virtual adult Bible study this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We will also be having our youth and young adult Bible study session Saturday at 10 a.m. and our adult Sunday school session every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Thanks for joining us for our quick announcements today, and we pray that you have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord.
2: You, you need me We're all a part of God's mighty stay with me Agree with me We're all a part It is His will that every need be supplied. Come on, Billy. Tell them what to do next.
3: I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you
1: to, So I, I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. So hey.
0: zion family and friends this is the day that god has made let us rejoice and be glad within it certainly excited that you've tuned in to this time of worship and celebration as we come together to worship the lord in spirit and in truth get your bibles please and turn with me to the book of genesis chapter 39 and we're going to read verses 19 through 23 Genesis chapter 39 verses 19 through 23. We are making our way through this narrative in relation to Joseph's life and we're coming upon a critical moment in which his life takes a turn in a different direction unexpectedly at least to us as observers and readers of the text. But we're going to discover that perhaps, arguably, it was a part of providential plan that this experience that Joseph is encountering takes place to create an opportunity. God redirecting his life for progress. Here we go. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 19. Now it came about when his master heard the words of his wife which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in sight of the chief jailer and the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he, Joseph, was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. That last line, of course, is the goal I hope for all of us that whatever we do, God makes touch, anoints, set in motion to prosper. So our title this morning for the sermon is So Now, What Do I Do? So Now, What Do I Do? It's an imposed question of my own analysis as I read this shifting moment in Joseph's life, I'm assuming, and that can that that's all it truly can be is my own assumption that perhaps Joseph entertained the suggestion of going from the palace, the penthouse, now back in a prison, wondering because of the shift. Now, what do I do? How should I handle this going forward? How would I present myself where I can redeem myself that life may change to be different? So we've looked at this journey of Joseph so far, and here's our conclusion. He is a recipient of a promise by way of a dream that God gave to him. He ends up moving in a pit in Shechem or being thrown in a pit in Shechem by his brothers. He ends up though eventually in a penthouse of Potiphar's favor as a result of a slave transaction. He experiences a promotion by way of a labor reward because God was with him. And then he now is experiencing a prison by way of false accusation because of Mrs. Potiphar. It's an interesting shift in Joseph's Journey. Because Potiphar's wife could not get Joseph to yield to her wishes, she framed him. She framed him on moral charges and had him cast into prison. I do not want us to overlook Joseph's situation in prison. I don't want us to think that Joseph is walking around merely just wondering in his mind what's going on. In fact, once again, we we really almost see the manifestation of the line in which the text tells us here in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. It's almost a fulfillment of the revelation about Jesus in which, in Matthew 1.23, I think it is, in which the angel identifies him as Emmanuel, God with us. It even underscores the words of Jesus who says in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always. That's a psychological and emotional assurance in the life of Joseph that the Lord was with him. But Psalm 105 gives us an insight into the actual physical context in which Joseph has now been cast. says the text, he was sold, Joseph, for a servant, His feet, they hurt with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into the iron until his word came true. The word of the Lord tried and tested him. And then it goes on to tell us the rest of the Joseph narrative in terms of his rescue, how the king, sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go. Joseph's confinement is one perhaps is very uncomfortable. It is very much similar to the rest of the prisoners, but yet he's ended up being received differently. Having been thrown into prison on a false charge, Joseph began to experience another great test in his life. Have you been there? One test after the other, once you finish one test, the next thing you know, there's another coming down the pike. Previously, Joseph had experienced what I call the test of adversity when his hated Brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt. Then he had to experience the test of his body when Mrs. Potiphar appealed to his sexual desires. Now he faced the test of his mind. This was a mental test because both his soul and his mind but within his soul lies the intellect the emotion and the will you keep in mind that satan had not been able to defeat joseph by an attack on the desires of his body so now he decides to attack joseph's mind no different for you and i whenever satan attempts to trip us Cause us to fall, attack us. He uses outside maneuvering and obstacles to create tension, frustration, and then the fall in our life. But if that doesn't work, he resides to attacking our mind. The physical iron that held Joseph was not as much of a problem as the iron that was attempting to hold him down mentally. Because in the words of Carter G. Woodson, once you gain a person's mind, the person then is under one other's control. Remember, he had passed the test of the body, and he passed it with glowing colors. But the test of the mind was a more severe test indeed. But isn't that the thrust of evil? It's the thrust of evil right there in that point. If it can't incarcerate you physically, the next step is to incarcerate you mentally. All you need to do is to study the history of African ancestry and its descent in America and you will bear witness to that very pattern. There are four certain mind-strangling attempts of evil that now have been cast into what we call systemic racism, but yet they are systematically employed, have been our being and will continue to be, in order to keep a group of people under, in their mind, the subjection of oppression. I list those of course as first the slave trade its objective was to impose both physical and psychological damage. In the slave trade you have this chattel effort to reduce the human body of the slave from its humanity to nothing more than property and you do that by imposing barbarian iron chains and dehumanizing acts of our barbarity by beating and, of course, parading them on the slave blocks, unclothed, having people inspect them like they were cattle or horses, separating them from their families so they can't communicate and provide support to one another for self-respect. When the slave trade was concluded by way of emancipation proclamation, then we shifted to what's called the colonization. Although much of that took place as well in the time of slavery, but the idea is to continue to chip away at your history, chip away at your self-dignity, chip away at your aspirations in return encouraging and might I probably argue forcing you to embrace another culture by believing that if you assimilate into that culture you will end up gaining what we call equality. Colonization still is taking place but then when colonization had completed its course in a sense of being quite noticeable and when we shifted out from the end of slavery into that 10-year period called reconstruction when reconstruction began to bear fruit and sort of promised provide the promise that blacks were not animals subhumans three-fifths of a human being but were intelligent creation of god Then we entered into what was called segregation, the Jim Crow mentality, the Jane Crow efforts. We are now sitting in the context where the children of Jim and Jane Crow are continuing to infuse the idea of inferiority and superiority of one people over another. All of that leads to our constant fight of racism Racism in the sense of maintaining racist policies through what I call mental fatigue, the attack on the mind. Those four entities are deeply rooted in America and they are sophisticated systematic strategies of oppression that yield the fruit of political and economical forces that causes stress in reference to the aspiration of African American life. And although the 14th Amendment of the Constitution supposedly frees us from physical slavery, it's interesting that it says nothing in reference to mental slavery. Here is where Dr. Naum Akbar helps us regarding the impact of mental and psychological slavery. He says, I quote, although generations we have been removed from the actual experience of slavery, still the scars from the actual experience is both in our social and mental lives. As devastating as chattel slavery was, it was overshadowed by the worst form of slavery, namely one which captured the mind and imprisoned the motivation, perception, aspiration, and identity in a web of anti-self images generating a personal and collective act and acts of self-destruction. Because that's the intent of capturing the mind that it not only infuses control but that the subject ends up participating in their own self-destruction. Bear in mind that your mind is a war zone. It's the battleground. It's the place where victories are both birth and won. It is this reason why I believe Paul pushes for in the Roman letter in chapter 12 that that mind has to be arguably daily renewed. He pushes for in the Philippian letter, chapter two, adopting the mind of Christ. And I need the mind of the spirit, the word of God to help me sustain by defense the attacks that attempt to take control Of my mind. And now Joseph is entering into a battle that is going to force him to have to learn to discern between the mind of self and the mind of the spirit. He further had to learn to make God the God of not just his body but the God of his mind as well, the God of his emotions and the God of his will. And in order to do that, God says, I need control of every aspect of your life. But can't you imagine Joseph wrestling with this thing, doubting the authenticity of his boyhood dreams? He had reason to do so and perhaps he now was wondering how could he prove that the dreams in which God had given him was divine and not of his own youthful ambition. When you read verses 19 through 20, there is something interesting taking place there. There is no record of no record at all that Joseph said anything in self-defense as he was being cast into prison. There was only silence suggests the text and why would Joseph not say anything? Why did he not defend himself against such a despicable charge? Well you and I arguably would perhaps not have necessarily the same outcome we would not take the same posture when someone has falsely accused us but might i add there are times and this is where i believe joseph's understanding of how to discern between his body his flesh to respond and his mind of the spirit to think about things there are times when you don't need to respond to people's accusations. There are times when people make false statements, you need not say anything. People will quickly tell you you need to say something, defend yourself, make some public statement. No, you don't. You need to sit and discern, Lord, is this something that I do need to respond to? Or do I need to really just sit back, let those accusations occur, and then give them to you? and watch you work all things together for the good. It is certain that Joseph determined that he was not going to bring a division between Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar in order to save himself so he doesn't respond at all. He was determined that he was not going to defend himself at somebody else's expenses just to prove that he knew he was right. Instead, he wasn't going to, how should we say, reside to recrimination. But amazingly, he just simply endured this false accusation quietly. And the Bible says that when Potiphar heard what Mrs. Potiphar said, The anger of Mr. Potiphar burned and says, verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in that jail. It's something that the prison to which Joseph was in was not a prison as we would normally think. In fact, the prison that Joseph was in was one that certainly did not have proper lighting or ventilation. It was a prison, as some archaeologists have said, was nothing more than a hole in the ground, a hole that comprised of dark, dampness, and a dark hole, such a place that Joseph's Joseph found himself as a result of Mrs. Potiphar's accusations. And I wonder if Joseph said to himself, didn't I obey my father instead of being like my wicked brothers? But what has that profited me? What has that gotten me? Nothing. All I have experienced was murderous jealousy and hatred from my brothers. Joseph might have reflected and said, I resisted physical temptation and thought, didn't I fully resist the temptation of Potiphar's wife because I didn't want to sin against God? And what has it gained me? Nothing. Joseph was now in prison with a stigma as bad as if he had actually committed the sin. But that's the risk that you and I take when we decide that we're going to let God deal with this. We may very well have attached to our name all kinds of negative descriptions and such suggestions that very well could ruin us. I've had that experience to my own self where things were said and I mean it actually ruined me in various different circles, ruined where people no longer associated with me. But you have to come to realize if you've done nothing wrong, if you've said nothing wrong, you got to believe by faith that if you stand your ground, you may never be restored with those persons. But God will restore your reputation and your life when you trust him, when you can't trace him. Look at Joseph's situation. Humanly speaking, it looks like nothing more than despair. The word of God, though, emphasized something critical. But the Lord, verse 21, was with Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Lord was with Joseph in the palace of Potiphar. Even in the midst of the temptation, now the Lord is with Joseph in the midst of the prison. Here's what he's trying to underscore. Regardless of the circumstance, Joseph was able to remain in complete fellowship with God and he faced this accusation squarely yet in silence because the Lord was with Joseph, when we have absorbed ourselves with God, all the places and all the experiences are really pretty much the same. What am I saying? Some of you might be experiencing the turmoil of your soul right now, but God is with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. Notice what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 139, whether shall I go from the spirit, I can't, I can't escape the spirit of God, the presence of God, he's with me, says the psalmist, or whether shall I flee from your presence, if I go up into the heaven, you're up there, if I make my bed in the hell, you're there, If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. In other words, God is saying it doesn't matter what context you are in. When you asked yourself perhaps that life-changing question that I want to suggest that maybe Joseph did entertain in his own way so now what do I do God says nothing in the sense of responding to the criticism but what you do is wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart notice David tells us really in a nutshell that he has been through a whole lot trying to flee from Saul, had many other hardships, but he could never completely be discouraged because he knew that God was with him. Paul and Silas in Acts 16 are relegated to a jail cell, but they could never feel completely discouraged because the Lord was with them at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and God shakes the jail. God brings revival. God brings assurance. God brings reassurance God brings resurrection God brings the newness of life I'm trying to tell you whatever your context is trust God believe God quote the word of God God will bring assurance God will bring life God will baptize you in power God will make sure you know that he is with you and will never leave you that's difficult for us to accept sometimes but God is there. God is there. Evil may have temporary victories, but remember, they're only temp- temporary. That's all. Mrs. Potterford may have thought that she had won the round, and she may have won the round, but she hadn't won the battle. God's will and purpose will always prevail. We must wait quietly we must go forward humbly. We must live faithfully. We must trust boldly until God works all things together for the good and justifies all things by his divine intervention. And then God will bring glory to his name. No doubt, whenever evilness attempts to question Joseph in his mind. So now what you gonna do? Now how do you think about what's happened to you? Joseph just simply answered God. Every time doubt comes into Joseph's mind, God, fear, God, frustration, God, Joseph is simply affirming for us that you've got to use that name that is above every name to give you victory every day. single time no matter how difficult the task God no matter how long the morals of others around you are trying to disintegrate you Joseph's strong conviction never let him depart from his loyalty to God and here's how God blessed Joseph in the midst of of Mrs. Potiphar's false accusation. Says the text, God gave Joseph favor in the eyes of the prison keeper. Like Potiphar, notice, the prison keeper soon discovered that Joseph was a person of unusual qualities. No matter what context he's in, he got things done the word of God says that the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there he was the doer of it the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did the Lord made Joseph to prosper Isn't that a reflection of what we heard in the first six verses of the opening of this chapter? In Potiphar's house, no matter what Joseph did, it prospered. Even in prosperity, a place of privilege, it prospered. And Potiphar saw it now in a prison, in a place of pain. Look at that. The chief jailer sees it. Because no matter where you are, God will reassure that you'll be blessed when others are trying to destroy your effort. So it's about Joseph's character. Some confuse character with reputation. Reputation, well, what's the difference? Some have said it this way, reputation is what others suppose we are. Character is what we really are. Reputation is what men think you are. Character is what God knows you are. Reputation is what is chiseled on your tombstone. But character is what the angels say about you before the throne of God. Where are we? Where are you? So what do we do now? What does Joseph do? He's experienced the defamation of his character. He's experienced the demotion of his position. No doubt he has been highly disappointed. So what do you do when things go wrong and now you are in a type of prison falsely? Less position, less pay, less responsibility, You're distant by fellow workers. The rumor mill is screaming with new rumors about you. Here's a suggestion. Whatever you do, don't disconnect or discount who you are. Don't disconnect or discount who you are. Joseph must have kept in his mind his pride, his dignity, his sense of humor, and yet he kept it moving. He didn't allow himself to be reduced to mere rubble because of his circumstance, and you cannot do the same as well. You've got to keep alive the fact that you've got pride and you've got dignity, and no matter what's being said, you're going to move forward in Jesus name recognize even when you come around them that they very well may laugh may even point fingers may even try to disconnect themselves or distance themselves from you that's okay you don't disconnect nor devalue or discount who you are don't devalue your faith look what verse 21 says the Lord was with Joseph and gave him favor When you're right, God will give you favor in the eyes of those that need to give you favor so that you can keep progressing while the haters are trying to figure out how come their tactics didn't work. That's the kind of God that you serve. One thing you need to do, and that is to determine how you will handle disappointment. And the best way to handle disappointment is to acknowledge and work through the feelings that it introduced. Yep, you're angry, you're upset, you're broken, you're frustrated. Acknowledge that. But then make a decision that I'm not going to let my disappointment, though, get the best of me. So, Mrs. Potiphar, and remember I told you in the earlier sermon Mrs. Potiphar is not always a human being. It's situations, events, things that happen both negatively that you have no control over and then some in which people are responding for something perhaps you may have said or done. All Joseph did was left behind a garment and this is the reward that he gets. So I want to suggest two primary things to you and then I'm done number one in dealing with this remember I need for you to decide to grow from this moment no matter what the Mrs. Potiphar is that you're dealing with decide that you are going to grow from this very moment it's not going to defeat you It's not going to dethrone you in the sense of being where you need to be on top. It's not going to frustrate you. Decide that you are going to grow from this moment. I like what the late Ralph Waldo Emerson said in reference to growth. He said, I quote, the only thing that can grow is the thing that you give energy to. If you give energy to negativity, it will definitely grow. But if you give energy to positivity, it will grow as well. Then there's a second thing. Because I believe Joseph gave energy to growing his new position. (laughs) Because look at verse 22. Even in prison... Look at what the Bible says. The jailer committed to Joseph. All that was there. How do you get that kind of privilege and favor without making sure that you're growing from the moment? Joseph did that. Apparently he didn't pout. He didn't put his head down. He didn't enter into self-pity. He held his head high and did work, labor. And verse 22 is his reward. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in jail so that whatever was done, he was responsible. Look at 23. And the jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's control because the Lord was with Joseph and prospered him. Joseph decided, I'm gonna grow from this and then here's my final poem and this very well may be a strange one but it's victorious decide to be the rainbow in somebody else's cloud (laughs) that doesn't originate with me that comes from the late Maya Angelou but here's what I think she's saying in the midst of your own turmoil in the midst of your own heartache in the midst of your own dark day find somebody's cloud to be a rainbow for I think Joseph did that the prisoners in the prison I really believe that Joseph made such an impact on those prisoners and the chief jailer saw it because Joseph was somehow doing what no other person supervisor had done before, he was bringing rainbows in prisoner's clouds. And isn't it certainly interesting how when you take your eyes off of your own problems sometimes, God will use you to bless someone else. I believe Joseph brought that sunshine into the lives of those prisoners. He changed their condition. He increased their morale because the rainbow he brought into their clouds. Keep this in mind as well. If you don't decide to move forward, you won't change the results. You'll just increase the pain. And by that I mean if you don't decide that I'm not going to let these false accusations beat me, you're not going to change the results. You're only going to increase that pain. But if you decide to move on, I close with this line. Notice that the key to our day-to-day success in living a life is living in the reality that God is with us Emmanuel that's how you respond to the question so now what do I do father thank you for this chance and this sharing of the word and we pray that in this critical juncture of Joseph's life that as you begin to work in his life you'll do the same in us bringing about these tremendous transformations and transitions that we might experience the triumphant power of the Holy Spirit and the Word. Save someone today who's at that critical juncture in their life where they want to make a decision to change their life. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ reigns preeminent in their minds and hearts and they'll come to realize he's a savior that will bring them life and such with abundance. Do these things for us and we'll give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. We certainly celebrate whatever God brings by way of fruit to the preaching of this word. And I pray that if you experience the newness of life today, do us a favor and just simply drop us a line to one of our social media outlets that you'll see at the end of this service let us know how God's blessing your life and working out all things together for the good. We admonish those of you who continue to support the ministry and we thank you for your financial support and ask that you'll continue to do so so that we can continue to share in church ministry by way of worship and the preaching of the word of God. It's our joy to provide for you the music ministry that we do every Sunday so that the Holy Spirit can use those words to the glory of God and bless your life in a very tremendous way. It's my prayer that you have a blessed, wonderful, prosperous, victorious week, and you can do that so long as you believe, you begin to believe it and speak it and expect it in the name of the Lord. Remember, God loves you, and so do I. Have a blessed, wonderful, prosperous week in the Lord, in Jesus' name.